Undisputed kings, it's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. Boxing knowledge dropped by Kenny and Vin, it's a sweet science by the diehard fan. Manny and Floyd, Triple G and the rest, like an overhand right from Crusher Kovalev. The tale of the tape on theboxingrank.com. It's the pound for pound, undisputed kings, it's the tale of the tape, time to enter the ring. The tale of the tape on theboxingrank.com. Welcome back to the tale of the tape. What up, what up, fight fans? Welcome back to episode 114 of the Pound for Pound King of Boxing podcasts, the tale of the tape. I'm Kenny Keith, and I'm joined, as always, by Vince Cummings. What up, man? Here I am. <laughs> Rock you like a hurricane. <laughs> That friggin' guy, man. Oh, Victor Ortiz in <laughs> rare, rare form. Uh, man, an exciting fight for as long as it lasted. Uh, a little expected with two aging chins on the line. Yeah. But Ortiz Berto did the deal for the second time, a rematch of their fight of the year, Ring Magazine fight of the year. Ortiz versus Berto, we'll get to that, along with some action from the undercard, Edwin Rodriguez and Thomas Williams Jr. in a memorable but very, very quick fight. Fernando Montiel, Jorge, Laura, and a one-round devastating knockout from Laura. That was a uh, wham-bam, thank you, ma'am card from the PBC right there, my friend. Yes, it was. Plus, we'll bring you Badu Jack versus Lucian Boutte, James DeGale versus Rogelio, Funky Cold Medina, Showtime Championship Boxing. We'll bring you the post-fight of that. And the Durrell brothers back in action. Yes. Yippee. On, I hear people falling asleep everywhere. <laughs> uh, back in action, PBC on Spike from Atlantic City. We got some news and notes for you. But the chunk of the episode, episode 114, Vince and I will bring you the preview of the May 7th, 2016 HBO pay-per-view from the new T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Canelo Alvarez, Kid Cinnamon, squares off against Amir King Khan for the ring and WBC lineal middleweight championship of the world, plus a loaded undercard. We'll get to all of that very shortly. We just want to remind all of you to subscribe to the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast on iTunes today. Get it on Google Play, Spreaker, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and subscribe to the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Vince and I will be back with another edition of the Boxing Rant Live as we bring you Canelo Alvarez versus Amir Khan fight companion. We bring the fight discussion live to you as soon as the pay-per-view goes on air, 9 o'clock, May 7th, HBO pay-per-view, the next edition of the Boxing Rant Live. Look for the links on theboxingrant.com and on Spreaker. We will be tweeting out links throughout the week. You ready to bring it back with the Boxing Rant Live, Vin? Oh, yeah, I'm loving that that little thing we got going there. It's a... Uh... It's fun, man. It's a whole different experience calling a fight that way. It really is. Yeah, it definitely is. And we will be returning two weeks later to bring you the Boxing Rant Live once again for Deontay Wilder versus Alexander Povetkin, the WBC Heavyweight Championship. So we got two scheduled, and we'll bring you more dates. Just look for them on theboxingrant.com. Vince, let's go ahead and bring the fight preview for this weekend's HBO pay-per-view. It's the return of Canelo Alvarez. As he squares off against Amir Khan for the ring in WBC lineal middleweight championship of the world. 
this fight, Amir Khan coming up from much lower weight classes, never having really established himself as a true welterweight. No, really, you're right. Steps into this fight at a catchweight of 155 pounds coming up to square off against Canelo Alvarez, who was looking for a big fight. Everybody was still speculating when would the Golovkin fight happen. And then literally, it must have been the best kept secret in boxing. They just drop a bomb on social media saying Canelo versus Khan came out of nowhere. And I'll tell you what, so far in the 2016 boxing season, the biggest story that has been talked about in the boxing universe that got the most buzz, and and it went on for like two weeks after the announcement, was Canelo versus Khan. Ah, It's the most intriguing matchup I can remember in boxing in a long time. Just simply based upon the fact that Amir Khan has been on this never-ending quest to to land a big-time fight. And he finally did with a guy that, who the hell even thought that was a possibility at the time? I mean, I don't think that fight was on anybody's radar. Nobody expecting Khan to come up in that two weight classes, basically, to get his big fight. I give the guy respect. I mean, he's got balls for doing it. He's looking for the big fight. He's willing to take a risk. I'm just, I don't know, Ken. I think he, uh, he might be running into a little bit too much here. Well, he's getting paid well. Yeah. It's always been an aspiration. He's always felt his name recognition was much more than we ever thought it was. Yeah. Um, Khan suffering three pretty devastating losses during his rise towards what he thought his, you know, his, his, his God-given skill set, you know, would bring him. I mean, based off of just physical attributes alone, I mean, Amir Khan is is every boxing trainer's wet dream because of the guy's hand speed, hand-eye coordination, athleticism, good, good feet underneath of him but he is mechanically flawed yes. and has always been mechanically flawed, has not been able to harness his God-given abilities into a, I guess, a smart, intelligent, savvy, in-ring fighter. His physical attributes would suggest that he would be able to do similar things to the likes of Floyd Mayweather. Look, look, the, it's simple as this with Khan and this fight and, and, and coming up in weight. Last time I checked, you know, you can put on as much weight as you want. It, it don't come in the form of whiskers, man. It, your chin's not going to get any better coming up in weight. And you are clearly fighting probably the biggest puncher you've ever fought. It's just the, the risk involved here with him. I mean, he, you're right. He's getting his big fight. He's getting his big payday. I think win, lose, or draw, Khan comes out of this and is probably in, in the running for another big fight against somebody because he has a name mm-hmm. now. Uh, this fight is going to be, it's it, it's going to be interesting to see how it folds uh, it unfolds early, man. Because you know you got the speed of Khan, you got the power of Canelo. Has Canelo improved enough in his career to be able to cut off the ring and shut down Amir Khan, back him up into the ropes and pound him to death? Which is, I think, what a lot of people expect in this fight. It's kind of what I expect, but as the fight has gotten closer. I've seriously started to give thought to Amir Khan having a slight, slight chance in this fight. Just a slight one. I definitely think he has a chance. I just think that when it comes down to it, it, it Khan is not going to be, there's a 0% chance of Amir Khan hurting Canelo Alvarez. Absolutely. Which, at some point, Canelo Alvarez is going to touch Amir Khan to the body. Because, let's be honest, Erzlandi Lara is probably the best in boxing at running around the outside of the ring. Khan's no Lar when it comes to that. No, and Canelo Alvarez, even with a, a fleeing, in-retreat, 
Erzlandi Lara for 12 rounds was still able to touch him up to the body. And I just feel that Amir Khan is not as big. He's not as strong. He is not as, as, as conditioned in fights against large men like Erzlandi Lara was. Khan has so many disadvantages outside of the one, the obvious one that you mentioned, that, that, that is the center of Amir Khan's entire uh, not reaching his potential, and that's his chin. I, I just don't think that it's going to be Khan's chin that's going to let him down. I think that Canelo Alvarez is going to be able to hit Amir Khan to the body pretty much at will, especially the way that Amir Khan escapes the pocket, the way he retreats straight back with his hands in the air. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be a body shot is the first time, and maybe it leads to a, a punch to the face that, that, that ends up stopping Khan, but it will be a body shot that I think that cripples him. Um, hurting him in this fight. Oh, I'm not going to argue with that one bit. I mean, Canelo dropped some brutal left hooks to the body, uh, and we've seen him become an even better body puncher as he's gotten older. And he's every fight, he's still improving. This kid's only 25 years old. And you know, that's crazy, man. And I find myself criticizing him all the time now about this 155 pound catch weight, middleweight bullshit. And it, and it does drive me insane. But the, to actually question what this kid is in his career, the path that he's taken and the fights that he's taken, this guy has fought everybody and anybody, and he's 25 years old. So to call somebody like that a ducker, which is kind of what I want to do when it comes to Triple G, you really, you, you can't. In that situation, all right, maybe he's, he's I don't know, he's, he's waiting for Triple G to get old is basically yes, what he's doing. absolutely. They, they want to wait at, probably till Triple G's 35 before we get that fight. Yeah. I, that's at least how I feel. I, the kid has just been, he gets better, better in every fight. And I think they know that. And that's why they're going to wait because he's still improving and he's going to need to improve if he's going to be able to compete with Triple G, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think you're exactly right. I, I, I don't think he's ducking Triple G. I just, his camp, De La Hoya, Golden Boy, Team Alvarez, the Reynosos, they know that they stand a far better chance of fighting Golovkin at 35 years old than they do fighting him you know, a year and a half, two years younger. Right. I mean, look, we all, there's pretty much a consensus out there that views Triple G as a young 34-year-old. Oh, yeah. You know, and look, he's probably, if he fights the way that he fights, if he continues his aggressive style, I think that he can keep that up until he's 38 or 39 years old. I think we have a good five-year run of Golovkin ahead of us. Oh, yeah. Look, power's the last thing to go, period. So he's the power's going to be there for a, at least five more years. Yeah, and, and you know what? Look, man, Canelo, I think 100% in his mind, I do not doubt one bit that Alvarez will fight him. I do not yeah. doubt that I, the fight will happen as far as I am. I'm 100% uh, percent convinced of this. I Look, the comments that he's been making about, oh, no, it's not going to happen above 155 or 157, whatever's been floating around there, this is just... The marination process. Yeah, laying you know the groundwork saying? is all they're doing. Exactly. They're trying to build the, the, the fan bases, the Canelo fans and the Triple G fans, into an absolute frenzy before this thing happens. They build it up. The tension builds up en enough. Once they do have it, you and I, I think, both believe that this fight is more than likely going to happen this time, this weekend, the Cinco de Mayo weekend in 2017. Most people believe this. Yeah, I think that's been a you know a common thought from everybody here lately. It's just from what you're hearing from from uh, Golden Boy Promotions and and the Canelo camp, all signs are pointing to that for sure. Uh, is it frustrating a little bit? Yeah, a little bit, but we're getting it, so not that big of a deal. It's not like we're getting an aged Mayweather Pacquiao here.
No, no, no. But let's uh, let's be honest. I mean, Vince, you touched on it. You have been in the lead up towards Canelo versus Khan. You've began to give some credit to Khan in this, and 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 lean towards a possibility that he has a shot here. So, with nothing being given, I mean, Canelo is still fighting, regardless of of the of the circumstances that surround this fight. A world class fighter in Amir Khan. We don't know how Khan is going to react to fighting at 155. He may be stronger. He 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 may his legs may be thicker. He may not uh, wobble as much. Maybe his chin was due to the fact that that he had those little spindly tiny legs. Yeah, we never know. But the truth is, is that Alvarez versus Khan must happen first. If Canelo does not fight Triple G, if he wins this fight and he does not fight Triple G, um, and it goes to uh, they will uh, the WBC said if it goes to this. If it comes to this, they will strip Canelo Alvarez and make Triple G the WBC middleweight champion. I, I don't think Canelo really cares. I don't think a, he does either. I, you know, the, the fight's still there for him with Triple G later on anyways. But, but Vince, if Canelo relinquishes the belt, does not fight Triple G next. Yeah. Let's say he fights the winner of David Lemieux versus Glenn Tapia, which both, both of us have talked about yeah. b- being a possibility. Yeah. Let's say in the interim this summer, Triple G takes that stadium fight with Billy Joe Saunders. Let's say coming into that fight, he has just inherited the WBC belt from, he may not be the the lineal middleweight champion, but he'll inherit the WBC belt by default, right? Right. Then he fights Billy Joe Saunders in a stadium fight in the UK this summer, wins the WBO belt. Guess what? The belts do matter to Canelo now because he will be fighting against the undisputed middleweight champion of the world, the unified middleweight champion of the world, and Canelo will have great interest in that. I don't, there, he's not at Mayweather status yet. No, no. He knows what winning all four belts at one time could do for his legacy. And if he believes his best chance isn't in 2017, then that will land great meaning. But all that said, we are prognosticating a bit far into the future because this fight still has to happen this weekend. Vince, what is your prediction for Canelo Alvarez versus Amir Khan? I think you can expect to see early in this fight Khan have a little bit of success. Uh, first three or four rounds with his speed and able to, you know, his ability to land short, quick shots and, and get out. Now, he's always at risk during that time when he's, when he's fighting that way. But I, I really see what, what I see happening is Canelo getting to the body in the middle rounds, fourth, fifth round, starting to take control of the fight, starting to back Khan down. And I just, there's no way that I ever, uh, I look at this fight and I can see it going 12 rounds because I can't see Khan being able to avoid the big shot for that long. It's just impossible to me. I, I see Canelo stopping him somewhere in 8, 9, 10, somewhere in that range. There you go. If you're betting rounds for the fight for Canelo go. versus Khan, there's your bet. Take it, son. There's the lock of the week right there. Three picks. Absolutely. Um, Canelo Alvarez, Amir Khan. I'm along the same lines as you. I just think that Khan is going to he's going to do well in the first three or four rounds, and then Canelo is going to catch him sometime around the sixth round. Uh, Canelo stops Amir Khan, and like I said, I think it's something is going to be within in concert with a brutal, brutal hook to the body. Yeah, look, in, in order for Khan to win this fight, he's going to have to have the fight of his life. He's going to have to throw more punches than he's ever thrown. Yes, the weight is not. It, we don't know what he's what type of fighter he is at this weight. This is a huge jump. He could end up being a fighter that gets gassed halfway through the fight and just like you said, gets knocked out in the sixth round because his body is not used to fighting a twelve round fight with all that weight on him. No, it's not. No, it's not. But either way, 
a lot of buzz for this fight. How well do you think it'll do in pay-per-view numbers? Uh, I think they'll sell close to a mil. I don't think they'll hit a mil, but I think they'll sell 700, 700K, 750. Yeah, I don't think that's a bad number at all. Canelo Alvarez, 46-1-1. One one. The Ring WBC lineal middleweight championship on the line as he squares off against Amir Khan, who looks to improve to 32-3. and three. Khan stepping up big time in weight. A lot on the line. Canelo Alvarez, Amir Khan, the biggest fight so far in 2016, May 7th, HBO pay-per-view. The undercard loaded up here was just mouth-watering action fights galore. Yeah. Uh, the co-feature of Canelo versus Khan. This could be the most fast-paced, brutal fight of the year. We've seen some epic knockouts. We'll get to a couple of those in the post-fight yeah. on this episode. Unreal. But Vince, is there... A matchup on paper so far in, in 2016 that says to you, uh, is violence is, is just <laughs> yeah absolute just chaos. Then David Lemieux versus Glenn Tapia. I don't see this fight making it out of the second round, man. There's absolutely no way these guys are freight trains just heading dead on for each other, man. I, David Lemieux now, even after that Triple G loss and was sort of exposed for being a very one dimensional fighter. Still, he, he is my one of my favorite fighters to watch right now. The, the motor that this guy has and the way he goes about fighting, he goes, he's, he's balls to the wall, dude. Every single round, shot out of a cannon from the corner and is bringing it. And Tapia is a tough guy that is, I think he's fading a little bit. I, I feel like he's going to run into a Lemieux left hook and it's going to be over early. Oh, Glenn Tapia has been on two of the worst receiving ends of the worst beatings that I have seen in modern boxing. Glenn Tapia's fight, an epic fight, uh, an absolute, one of my favorite fights of the last five or six years in boxing against James Kirkland. Just one of the most violent, just clash of two strong, tough, just dirty fighters. Um, he, yeah. he fought tough, but the beating he took in that I thought was going to be career-changing. Then he steps in against Michel Soro and gets absolutely pounded another devastating knockout where there was an extra punch landed in that fight where the referee couldn't get in remember yeah and look some people were even you know we saw tapia on the uh he was the ringside he was a ringside uh, you know help for the fight and man he's you're listening to him talk and it's just like i don't know man a little it, too young to be slurring your speech yeah man and i wasn't the only one who noticed i know a few other people said something he's a guy that just he's he took some shots man and you know, a young guy still, and I feel like David Lemieux lands one in this fight. Woo! This kid, uh, it, it could be career changing for this kid. Honestly, this could be the last time we see Tapia in the ring. Tapia is going to have to try to display some of that uh, that that boxing acumen that he learned from Freddie Roach um, in the Zhou Shiming fight, the one I was talking about yeah. over in China, where he boxed very well. If he can box for a little bit, this fight will go a little bit longer than, than, than a second or third round knockout if he comes out like that. Here's the thing, though. Even if he tries to box, Lemieux won't be uh, intimidated by Tapia's power after feeling Gennady Golovkin's power. I think Lemieux ends up landing a big shot. I'm going to predict somewhere around the fourth or fifth round, but either way, um, David Lemieux, Glenn Tapia looks to be just um, a, uh, a top-notch $25 appetizer right here. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're exactly right, man. This is another... Another fight in the line of, you know, Soto Karras, Kamagai, Berto Ortiz, just brawls that are they're great fights for the fans, man. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. We've been privy to a lot of those in 2016. I mean, overall, we haven't had those 
you know, necessarily the epic clashes, but I think 2016 has already been a better year than 2014 and 2015 combined. Absolutely. You know, we're just getting quality. Yes. And we're getting it in quantity. Everybody knows there's so much on the line in boxing right now with the lawsuits, with the PBC, the ups and downs of that, uh, the trials and tribulations of, of established companies feeling the pain, the impact of the PBC's big burst into boxing. Companies like Top Rank, Golden Boy. Golden Boy has recovered. They've made a pledge to put on the most exciting cards, the most exciting fights. Yeah. And with Vargas versus Salito on the horizon, a little bit of drama now injected into that one. Yeah. Um, Mexican meat, boy. Absolutely. <laughs> don't, I, don't eat that tainted meat. Salito said, well done. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, Golden Boy is doing it. And, uh, the dude, this right here could be the pay-per-view, and they could put shit after it, and I'd be perfectly happy. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, two uh, two great co- co-features, Canelo versus Khan, David Lemieux versus Glenn Tapia in the co. Frankie Gomez, one of the most talented, pure, talented fighters overall, just great boxing IQ, great reflexes, exciting action fighter. Uh, Frankie Gomez, very fast-twitched. Squares off in his first big step-up fight against established, rugged, not the hardest punching in the world, but one of the toughest SOBs in boxing in Mauricio Herrera. Frankie Gomez, this guy has struggled probably more than any fighter in boxing in making weight and staying dedicated to the regimen. Golden Boy has put him on notice. They're trying to keep him active so he doesn't gain too much weight in between fights. Fighting this one at welterweight, we both believe that Frankie Gomez would be a devastating knockout puncher at 140. Yeah. But this fight right here in a fight where Herrera is not going to be able to hurt Frankie Gomez, I think we're going to be able to see Frankie Gomez go for it in this one. Oh, a, a disciplined Frankie Gomez is absolutely scary, man, because this guy is unbelievably skilled in the ring. And they seem to have it under control. This would be back-to-back fights now. So that, that was the only really question that he had. I, th- I think there's no way in this fight that he doesn't mow through Herrera. Herrera's on the backside of a what's been a very, very good career and, and some tough luck, luck losses along the way. But he has fought ballers, dude. Oh, yes, His resume has. is... Absolutely. All respect to Herrera as a fighter. But he, he's running into something in Gomez here that is a young prospect that's on the rise and is going to be a serious player at whatever weight class he lands in, whether he stays at 147, he goes back down to 140. I think, like you said, me and you both think there's he could give up a few pounds and make it to 140. This is going to be a fight where I think he has a bit of a coming out party for him as he gets a big veteran win on his resume. Sure, yeah. I mean, there's a lot on the line here for, for Herrera, especially what happened in the Hank Lundy fight. Yeah. You know, with that cut. And, yeah. you know, most people thought that Herrera won, but it definitely was not uh, settled, you know? No, absolutely not. We had heard rumors of Lucas Matisse versus Mauricio Herrera in this slot right here, but Matisse is still questioning whether or not he's going to make a return to boxing. Um, Mauricio Herrera has run the gauntlet. I mean, you look at his resume, Ruslan Provodnikov, a uh, prime Mike Alvarado. Uh, Kareem Mayfield, for as ugly as he is to fight, he is difficult as hell to fight. Yep. Loses a 10-round a, a decision against Mayfield. Uh, you know, he's, he's been in the ring with Danny Garcia, a fight that most people believe he won. Jose Benavidez, a big, strong prospect. Most people thought he won that fight. Yeah. Um, I think Mauricio Herrera is going to do what Herrera does. I think he's going to come out, go balls to the walls. I think he's going to lose at some point in this fight, probably by uh, eighth or ninth round TKO. But I'm telling you right now, Mauricio Herrera at the end of this fight will be sitting in the hotel bar 
just slamming beers. I mean, <laughs> he gets down after fights. Yeah, that, we've we've heard that. Uh, look, man, I, I the the guy he could frustrate the hell out of Gomez. He's still a solid veteran fighter, and what we've seen him be able to do is just kind of smother guys and stay on top of them and just outwork them and throw a lot of punches. He never you never see him really hurt anybody. He could very well do that to Gomez. It wouldn't surprise me that much. It really wouldn't. No, but the, but one of Frankie Gomez's great strengths is fighting off the back foot. He yeah. he pot shots as good as any fighter in boxing. Still has power doing that too. Yeah, absolutely. So it'll be interesting. This is a really good fight. This is along the lines of Oscar Valdez versus Yevgeny Gradovich, mm-hmm. I think. Um, in in that stepping stone, this is a big step up for Frankie Gomez. In yes, huge, huge. This is a, a much bigger step up than the one that Valdez made from Avalos into Gradovich. Yeah. Um, this is a step up because they need to know how serious he is about his business, but also they know he's this talented. Absolutely. You said it before. It's make or break right now. Yeah. Frankie Gomez versus Mauricio Herrera. Another clash, another crossroads fight. I don't know if it could be a crossroads fight because Curtis Stevens just has not been able to get in the ring. Yeah. But Patrick Teixeira... A rising middleweight power. We saw him in action on the undercard of Ruslan Provodnikov versus Lucas Matisse in Verona, New York last year. Teixeira taking a big step up against a good power puncher. But my most recent memory of Curtis Stevens, not the BKB, but just how he got absolutely outboxed and outclassed by uh, Hassan Endom. I mean, Endom schooled him. Yeah, and and that Endom's uh, you know that that level fighter that's just shy of of the best in the division. And Curtis Stevenson, Stevens, a tough guy, man. I mean, always in tough fights. Can land a big shot at any time and hurt anybody. That's what makes a Curtis Stevens fight fun. He's always been an entertaining fighter. You're right. It's been tough for him to find fights. I'm not so sure that he's that interested in fighting that much anymore, to be quite honest with you. No. He acts like he is, but I think he's kind of like a hired gun these days that you can throw on a card like this, and it gives it a little credibility because it's a, it's a Curtis Stevens fight. There's going to be some fireworks. Well, yeah, I mean, Curtis Stevens could have been making a hundred grand a fight, just fighting four or five times a year against up and comers that, you know, and no hopers. Yeah, you know, but he hasn't. No. Um, but I tell you what, man, he is in for it in this fight because Teixeira has every category on him, edge maybe except for power. They're pretty close. Yeah, I'd, I'd say that's a wash in, pow- in the power department. But Teixeira, too big, too tall, too long. I think this is probably, and it has a lot to do with the fact that Stevens has been in some wars. Um, but more so, you, you couple that along with his inactivity, and I think Teixeira stops him um, by way of sixth or seventh round knockout. I think this would be a straight punch. I think he's going to put him on his ass. And I think uh, we've seen the the better days of Curtis Stevens are far behind him. Oh, yeah. I, I feel like Stevens in this fight is going to come out and, and just go balls to the wall and, and wing huge shots. And, and that's pretty much all he's got in this fight. And I think Tajera is going to catch him at some point wide open, knock him out in somewhere later on in the fight, eight, nine. You think that uh, this is going to be a coming out party for Teixeira in a lot of ways? You think? I mean, dude, Stevens, this is a big step up for him. Yeah, no, it is. These, this is a very good, very, very good matchup of a guy, an up and comer, and a guy that's kind of on his way out to see. Let's see if he still has anything left in the tank, and and a great test for Teixeira at the same time. This, this could be a, a very interesting fight, man. Yeah. So so far on the card, we have three middleweight fights. Canelo Khan, David Lemieux, Glenn Tapia, Teixeira versus Stevens. That should all be pretty action-packed fights. Yeah, they may, you may get 10 rounds total from them three fights. Highly touted golden boy prospect, the Irishman, Jason Quigley against James De La Rosa. James De La Rosa was scheduled to fight against 
David Lemieux on March 12th. They said that Lemieux didn't make much effort trying to lose that weight that, yeah. uh, that he missed it on the scale. You and I had both sort of uh, uh, you know, prognosticated and theorized that somebody told Lemieux to pull out of that fight because he was going to be in the co-feature of Canelo versus Khan. And here's the bone that James De La Rosa gets. You, you, you get to get knocked out by Jason Quigley, son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, what a – oh, that's awesome. That is like Charles Martin being served up to Anthony Joshua. Uh, no, Quigley, a devastating action fighter. And uh, James De La Rosa, he'll try to bring it. Yeah. So this one could turn out to be pretty action-packed, too. This is going to be an early knockout, though. This card is insane, man. Just the, the matchups. This is great matchmaking for just explosive fights, man. Yeah, it is. Diego De La Hoya, uh, one of the top prospects at 122 pounds, squares off against Rocco Santamaro. Diego De La Hoya, this could be the year. He's another of these products of the L.A. Fight Club, a cousin of Oscar De La Hoya. Diego De La Hoya is an explosive, all-action, bring-it, 100% of the time fighter. Got to love the way the kid fights. I still have a little questions as to whether, a few questions as to whether he is ever going to be a world champion or, or compete at that level. He but might he, beat the hell out of some world champions. Oh, yeah. He's going to be in some great fights along the way. I know that much. That's, that's for sure. This kid is an action fighter. I'm just not, not sold 100% yet on him. I'm sold 100% on one thing. That I want to see all of his fights. Absolutely. You know? Yep. Um, so there you go. That's the fight card. Canelo Khan, May 7th, HBO pay-per-view. Canelo Khan, Lemieux versus Tapia. Frankie Gomez steps up against Mauricio Herrera. Patrick Teixeira, highly touted middleweight prospect, takes a big step up against hard-charging, big-hooking Curtis Stevens, Jason Quigley, knockout artist from Ireland versus James De La Rosa, Diego De La Hoya versus Rocco Santamaro. Another fight from across the pond, pretty much the only thing else going on. Um, a fight that we had been looking forward to at the beginning of the year. One of those fights that we thought would deliver the lightweight division in the United Kingdom over the last two or three years has delivered some of the best fights in boxing. Yeah, it has, man. And this one shouldn't be any different. Anthony Kralla, Hala has one of the biggest, I'm not going to say it's necessarily ego in a negative way, but this dude is very confident. Very sure of himself, a big talker, talks confidence all the time. He's going in the ring against the boogeyman of the 135-pound division and Ismael Barroso. Yeah, Barroso is a tough, tough man, boy. He's I mean, so strong. He's a big guy at that weight, and he unloads these huge straight lefts. I mean, that it just looks like he brings a freight train behind it with behind his gloves with that punch. Kralla is a, a dude that I respect the hell out of. He's, he's tough as nails. We saw him in two, a really tough fight with Darleus Perez uh, in the first one. The second one, he comes back, and I thought, I thought Perez had his number coming into the second fight. And he comes out and, and knocks Perez out, gets a TKO from fifth round. He, he's an unbelievable fighter. I want to say that Barroso's going to mow through him. That's what I feel like when I first look at this fight. But I think Kralla might be a little bit tougher than we all think he is. Yeah, what's your prediction? I, I'm going to say this one goes the distance. I don't think Crowley will get stopped, and I'm going to say Barroso wins a very tight decision. I'm going to say Barroso stops Crowley and lifts the WBA lightweight title, 10th-round um, stoppage. I mean, he is a monster, man. Yeah, I just think that he – I don't think there's anything that Crowley can offer that will gain Barroso's respect. Yeah, this is that one when, – when the mandatory comes around for Barroso, you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Corrala versus Barroso from Manchester, England, the WBA 135-pound crown. 
on the line. So that's all the fight previews from May 7th. Kentucky Derby Day, baby. It's going to be a day of action. Golf in the morning, Kentucky Derby in the afternoon, Canelo Khan in the evening. The only thing missing is a Floyd Mayweather fight, Ken. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hell no. Oh, absolutely not. All right, we got some post-fight to get to. Interesting cards. Uh, April 30th, PBC on Fox, the StubHub Center, Victor Ortiz versus Andre Berto, too. A clash of, in my opinion... (laughs) Two over-the-hill 147s. I predicted in this fight that if Victor Ortiz was in shape and had all of his uh, devices that he was going to stop Berto. Looked like for a second that Ortiz was definitely boxing better. Berto coming out pretty stiff in this fight, Vince. Yeah. Ortiz drops Berto, but then Berto just clips Ortiz. And uh, this thing, man, I'll tell you what. I think a lot of people overrated what happened in this fight. What I saw, Vince... And it's as simple as this. I saw two guys with horrible chins. One guy whose chin was even worse. Yeah, this was, I mean, did it deliver along the lines of, you? we got a knockdown, we got a knockout. It was a decently action-packed fight, but very sloppy, man. These guys just, Ortiz walked into that punch with his chin out there. Like, (laughs) dude, quit following your gloves with your chin because you're getting caught right behind it. Uh, It... It, it was a frustrating fight just because you wanted it to deliver on what it was four or five years ago, and it just was Oh, these guys was, are too faded. Yeah, there's, there's just no chance, man. And I, I'm, I'm not surprised that Berto won. He's been the more active fighter. It, it does, doesn't shock me, but it was a fun fight, man. It, it delivered as much as it could for, the, for aging kind of beat-up guys. I want to talk first. We have not talked about this subject for a while on this show. Um, we've just really been sticking to the fights. But this had to have been, and this used to be a big subject if you listen into earlier episodes of the Tale of the Tape Boxing podcast. This fight, PBC on Fox at the StubHub Center uh, this past Saturday night, I'll tell you what, man, this was the most ridiculously assembled Motley Crew trio of fight announcers that they could have possibly... This was like the riffraff bunch, man. They had Gus Johnson, who... I think was banished from serious duties a long time ago. Like he just, they just like kind of throw him the, like, like uh, you know, a ridiculous bone every now and again. Yeah. Mark Kriegel, the prophet, the, the worst, the poet, the artist, the most magnificent speech writer, the CEO of uh, reclamation projects and rehab for, <laughs> for showtime in the PBC, dude, this guy, we saw it last time. The last time he called a fight calling this fight again, Mark Kriegel may be a great writer, but I tell you what, for somebody who writes books, a no- novelists do a lot of research. They do. That's yeah, what they do. You have you, to. You have to, especially the kind of books that Mark Kriegel has written. Yeah. For somebody who makes his profession on research, my boy knows nothing about the fighters that he calls. Nothing. No. He talks about, he, he, he may ask them six or seven questions in their fighter meetings, and those are the conversation topics that he picks to harp on and repeat throughout the entire duration of it. He, he knows no history on these guys. No. He knows no narrative. What, for somebody who is a part of controlling the narrative for the PBC, for guys that go awry, I just, dude, Gus Johnson, Mark Kriegel, and then they add your boy, Danny Garcia? I, I didn't think it was really possible to not like Danny Garcia any more than, than I already did. <laughs> He's just really bad, man. I mean, he was absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible. The worst fighter 
I've heard call a fight in a long time, and there's there's been some bad ones. I mean, some really bad ones. What 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 you didn't like when he said, "Oh, he hit him with the lift." <laughs> Danny, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> oh, yeah, DSG man. needs he needs to be nowhere near a microphone. Really. No, but this is what they do. It's their it's their WWE circus. It's, well, he's gonna he's gonna fight the winner. Oh wow, yeah, because both of these guys are primed killers. This is gonna be another soft touch for the most overrated, pussified championship fighter in boxing today. Danny Garcia has reached below. The level of Adonis Stevenson, in my opinion. I mean, yeah, those guys are swimming at the bottom, you know, trying to pull each bottom other down. Bottom feeders, dude. Uh, bottom look, feeders. And, and DSG gets his dad to pile on and make it seem even worse, which is I feel bad for the kid when it comes to that. But the fact that he's probably more than likely going to fight Andre Berto now is a complete fucking joke, man. Absolute joke. Yeah. Well, he's a joke. Yeah. This whole camp's a joke. He's a joke as an announcer. He's a... Nobody even knows who he is in Philadelphia. He kept telling them guys last night, I don't know why they, they, they trade in punches like yeah, that. You got to stay on the outside and not, <laughs> and not throw punches. Some guys like to fight, Danny. Yeah, yeah, they do. No, Danny and his own dude, it's, it's all about the paper. It's not about the glory, right? Yeah. Give me a break. Somebody forgot to tell old uh, Mark Kriegel that uh, Fernando Montiel was shot circa 2013. Yeah, it's been many, many years. But he steps in and says that it uh, <laughs> looks like Fernando Montiel has fallen off the cliff. He's finally a shot fighter. <laughs> he was paired with Jorge Lara because he's a shot fighter. He's been a, he's been a PBC opponent guy for three fights yeah. now. This is C-level, man. Nah, come on. He knew nothing about Fernando Montiel. Also, you, you didn't even have to watch his fights. Just do us the give us the respect as the audience and pull up his fucking box wreck because it will tell you. You look at a guy that's got fucking 70 fights. I mean, come on. Yes, it's 37 years old. This was a 60-second fight. Come on. Give me a break, man. Give me a break. Uh, dude. Oh, Matiel Laura. Laura fucking destroyed him. <laughs> that was not fair, that man. That right hand when they zoomed in there, that, that last big right hand. You, you can't. Montiel died in the ring. You can't, in good faith, be promote a Fernando Montiel fight after that last night. He's a completely shot fighter. He has no reason to be in the ring. He should be forced into retirement. He really should. <laughs> Mark Kriegel. <laughs> I, he just look. Is his ego that big that he doesn't even see what these gigs do to his reputation? Yeah, I mean, Ken, he's just blind to it. He's an author. Oh, he's he's the greatest ever. <laughs> Fucking Mark Kriegel. Uh, How dare you? <laughs> Edwin Rodriguez versus Thomas Williams Jr. Um, Edwin Rodriguez, man, my boy. I'll tell you what, he goes for it. He has balls to the wall. He has no, he's got a death wish, yeah, man. An absolute death wish. No form involved in his style at all. You talk about winging wild shots. This was one of the sloppiest fights you'll ever watch. <laughs> unbelievably just wide looping shots and Thomas Williams quite possibly with the knockout of the year in the second round. And you know what the fun, I think you're, you're right. It's definitely up there, but ESPN showed it. How about that? Uh, how about it? Thomas Williams jr. Versus Edwin Rodriguez. I think that the PBC was hoping that Rodriguez would win this fight because he was lining up perfectly to be an opponent for Donna Stevenson. Oh, well, you throw Thomas Williams in there now. Doesn't matter. They'll throw in anybody. Does yeah. it really matter who it is? It ain't going to be from far. I know that. 
Oh, man, what a crazy night at the StubHub Center. Hey, the StubHub Center always fucking delivers wars, man. It delivers something. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, the Later on that evening, Showtime Championship Boxing from the D.C. Armory. Badu Jack versus Lucian Boutte for the WBC Super Middleweight title. Vince, Jack versus Boutte. Overall, what was your impression of this fight? Uh, very close fight. Very close fight. Nah, a little bit on the, you know, not the greatest fight in nah, the world. it was kind of boring. Uh, yeah, it was a little, little slow. Boutte looked a little stiff at times early in the fight. Jack looked a little off balance by kind of some of, uh, of Butte's offbeat rhythm. So it's just the fight didn't come together right. Just the two styles didn't mesh very well. Very close fight, you know, all that being said. Um, two cards at 114, 114, and I believe one for 117, 111 for Jack. It was much closer than 117, 111. Uh, you you kind of feel bad for uh, Butte coming away from this because this might have been his last shot and he was – that damn close. And you could see the disappointment when they read them cards in the ring from him. His face just went to, you know, just a guy that the, all the air came out of him right there. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, man, I scored this fight more 116, 112 for Jack. And the reason why was he was throwing the harder punches. I felt like his punches were landing more solid. Boutte spent the first half of the fight looking like he was walking around on stilts, real straight legged, yeah. looked really slow. This was the first time physically. You know, I felt he looked much more spry in his last fight. He warmed up way too late against Jack. But the biggest issue for me with Boutte was there was nothing on his punches. No, yeah, they did look to be a bit army on the punches from, from, from Boutte. It didn't look to be as sharp either. But I think, hey, look, he was in there with the champ. He, he showed very well for, for himself. I think he's going to be in another tough fight and he may get another shot at some point before his career is over he's still got a little left in the tank maybe they're so desperate to sell tickets for an adonis stevenson fight that they bring up Boutte from 168 to 175 to be an opponent so they can sell some tickets <laughs> they very well could i wouldn't put it past either the pbc or Boutte either because he needs to check did you hear something about the pbc said they weren't going to be doing fights in quebec anymore no i didn't i did not hear anything like, about that it had something to do with the wbc um and I don't know, something with the boxing commissions up there. I don't know the details of it. I have to look it up. But I heard something along the line. I'm like, hold on a second. So Adonis Stevenson is going to have to fight outside of Quebec? Oh, nobody's going to be there. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. So Badu Jack, Lucian Boutte, competitive fight, pretty uh, monotonous throughout. Um, and Jack retains his belt. So we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, the rumor is the storyline, the narrative seems to be pointing in the direction of the winner of Jack Boutte was supposed to fight the winner of James DeGale versus Rogelio Funky Cole Medina in the co-feature of this fight, the IBF super middleweight title on the line as DeGale defends against Medina. Vince, James DeGale versus Rogelio Medina, in my opinion, coming into this fight, Rogelio Medina was a, I wouldn't even say he was a mid-level B-level fighter. I, I I thought he was more of like a B minus C plus level fighter. Oh yeah, he was probably odds on him were probably twenty five thirty to one to win this fight. How is it that James DeGale looked so vulnerable in this fight? I mean, he looked great in spots. For whatever reason, to me, it seems like DeGale has changed his style of fighting, and I don't know if it's a conscious decision from him to try and fight in a more exciting fashion and, and pick up more fans because he's not boxing the way he used to two years ago, which was much safer. He is mixing it up now. And I, I, quite frankly, I, I fucking love it, dude. His last two fights have been really fun to watch. This one, another fight. And talk about razor thin and tough to score, this fight was. I mean, you could watch this fight ten times 
and come out with 10 different scores. This is a time where I you, you feel bad for the judges ringside. Uh, they're going to be j- uh, scrutinized over a fight where really, I mean, the scores w- were what they were. Like I said, you watch it 10 times, you're going to get 10 different scores. The difference on my scorecard really f- was that James DeGale, I think, won the closer rounds with, even though it wasn't sustained, it was explosive multi-punch combinations. He landed the bigger shots. I think Medina was a little inaccurate for as many punches as he threw. I thought DeGale won this thing closer to 115-113. Maybe that's a little too close. 116-112 was my score. But here's the thing, man. DeGale, to me, should have had an easier time with Medina. He didn't. He did not protect himself. He showed very vulnerable, easy to hit. Maybe it was because of a, of a comment you made while we were watching it that he was just fighting a, slow, uh, a, a come-forward, plotting-type fighter. Yeah, I'm, you weren't stopping Medina last night. I mean, that guy was possessed. He threw 1,140 punches. That is absolutely insane. Yeah, for me, though, neither of these fights needed to happen after the results that we saw. Because even though DeGale Medina was competitive and a fun fight to watch, Jack and Boutte was a little monotonous, a little bit tedious, you know what I mean? And a little bit gratuitous to their pocketbooks. I, you, you can't blame these guys for taking the fights and getting paid. Yeah. But as far as the narrative goes, this was something when Steven Espinoza announced this fight in that chunk of fights together that they announced for Showtime. This was one of the fights that we were more intrigued by, did not deliver on that level. And now it really, in hindsight, I know it's, it's, it's easier to say this, these fights did not need to happen. Let's just go ahead. I know it's too late to go back and prevent these from happening. James DeGale versus Badu Jack should be a competitive fight. Yeah, look, and there's a lot of people coming out of that fight last night, uh, the DeGale-Medina fight, saying Medina won. Uh, and there's, you know, you could argue a, a case to where Medina won or it was a draw. Sure. Very close fight. But I, here would be what I say to those people. Is, was Medina aggressive and did he, was he bringing the fight the entire fight to DeGale? Absolutely. But it depends on what level you put on aggression on how you score the round because a lot of that was very ineffective at times. And just because you're coming forward throwing punches, I'm sorry, in my opinion, you have to be successful. Ineffective aggression, I'm not going to score very highly for you. And that was the difference in Medina winning this fight, in my opinion, was his aggressive – his. He was aggressive, but it was ineffective too much. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Either way, if, if, if you know, they interviewed Steven Espinoza after, and if it's, if it's true what he says, that Jack versus DeGale is next for this fall, then let's do it. Let's unify, and uh, there's some young, hungry lines on the horizon yeah. looking for some shots at 168. Um, a lot of talk about uh, young guys like Gilberto Ramirez just picked up his 168-pound belt. Callum Smith. At the fight last night. At the fight is looking to fight the winner of DeGale versus Jack. And I tell you what, if DeGale can pull the upset, which I would favor DeGale in that fight. Yes. A DeGale versus Callum Smith fight for the unified super middleweight title. A a division that has been fought for very proudly over in the United Kingdom. One of their better divisions historically. Um, This will be a huge fight. 168 pounds seems to always deliver some of the biggest fights across the uh, the pond. Let me tell you this: if we get that Jack DeGale fight and DeGale wins, guess who's going to be wanting to come out old retirement over there in the UK, boy? Oh, the Cobra! The, the Cobra's going to be coming out <laughs> the grass. Oh man! You know, I mean, that's a huge fight. That would yeah. be a huge fight, and yeah. DeGale would definitely take that fight. He's not going to get any more money in a fight than with Frotch. Well, if James DeGale fights like he did against Virgilio Medina against Carl Frotch, he'll get knocked out. I think he might get Cobra. <laughs> 
All right, let's go uh, one last set of previews here. We saved the best for last. PBC on Spike, Atlantic City, the Durrell brothers back in. Uh... Uh, wake me up when the segment's over. Yeah, but Anthony Durrell knocked out Caleb Truex in the first round. Ben, you didn't see that? Well, Caleb Truex is a fringe Hall of Famer, right? <laughs> uh, man, Caleb Truex is not good. No. Um, Anthony Durrell Shot. is. Come on, man. This is just first round knockout. Okay, fine. Blah. Andre Durrell versus Blake Caparillo. Another fight. Durrell takes it. Can't close the deal. Per usual, Durrell just cannot finish fights. Nothing has changed. Uh, sort of a little disenfranchised off to the side. I'm looking at boxing out of the corner of my eyes. Don't really care about the sport too much. I'll jump back in, take a fight against a guy somebody's heard of, and get paid for doing it. I've got some heat about us being so indifferent about this card from some people that listen to the show, but I'm going to tell you right now, you got exactly what you got. Anthony Durrell's knockout over Caleb Truex means nothing. It means he can beat average fighters. Andre Durrell couldn't finish Blake Caparello when he is the superior fighter in power and in skill because he just does not have what it takes to finish fights. No, you're absolutely right. I mean, if you've seen one Andre Durrell fight, you've seen them all. He fights exactly the same. It's like a vanilla blueprint that he comes into the ring with. No matter who his opponent is, it's always the same. It's it's just grown tired. He's a guy that just did not reach his full potential. No. Got lost somewhere along the lines, and I feel bad for him because I do like the kid. He's got he's got immense natural ability. Absolutely. He's quick, just, quick, quick ass hands. He man. just became very set in his ways and never sort of dug himself out of having those cinder block feet. No, and, and we saw last night he just lacks the punching power to seriously hurt guys because he'll land clean shots and they look like they hurt, but I think they're just quick arm punches. They're not, there's nothing behind them other than the shoulder and the arm. He's not, he's not turning his back into it. No, he's not turning into his punches at all. So you get what you get. And look, I, I feel bad for the guy, but it is what it is with Andre Durrell at this point, man. Yeah. News and notes, Vince, just one news and note to uh, touch on right now. Something that is is marinating. I know we could talk about Fury Klitschko. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. Yeah, uh, that's announced. Uh, you know, Crawford versus Postel has been consummated for an HBO pay per view this summer. Um, but there's one fight that's in marination right now that we're not sure yet if it's going to happen. This would be a big fight for both fighters. A unification of the welterweight division, the IBF and WBO, one forty seven straps on the line. Kell Brook versus Jesse Vargas is in negotiations. I think this is exactly the type of fight that both of them need. Jesse Vargas wants to prove himself, um, thinks that he got a little bit shafted in his opportunity against Tim Bradley. Kell Brook needs a name. What better than bringing a champion over? Jesse Vargas may be a little-known champion, but if anybody who's followed his career, his biggest problem has always been inconsistency in his training because he has gone through so many different trainers. But now settles in a little bit, and gets his opportunity to show that he belongs. I think if they can make this fight, this is a really, really good fight. Yeah, I love this fight on paper, Ken. I mean, this this has the chance to be a really action-packed fight. I love what Jesse Vargas has become as a fighter over the last couple fights, a guy that has just changed his style up and is kind of loading up big shots now and coming forward and seems to be a very, very confident fighter. These last two fights, we've seen a guy, and I think he gained that confidence in the Bradley fight, where he he figured out like hey, I'm I'm good enough to be in with the, with the best. Yeah, he he showed very well against Bradley and almost stopped him late. Kind of got robbed, 
with 10 seconds left, he had a chance to finish Bradley and didn't get the opportunity to. I, I give him a very good chance to beat Kell Brook in this fight. I don't know about you, but I think Vargas now is a much scarier fighter than he was 18 months ago. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, look, he has improved in his style, his confidence, like you touched on. One thing I really like about Jesse Vargas when it comes to this fight, Kell Brook likes to punch straight. His hooks have improved, um, no doubt. But Jesse Vargas, he, he, he kind of looks at times as if he's lowering his head to sell out on the overhand right. Yeah. But what I see from him is a guy that he's not like John Molina Jr., where he just his head is pointing down at the canvas and he's not looking while he's punching. Jesse Vargas, actually, when he ducks his head, he's kind of bringing it down to the left, and then he sneaks that overhand right behind it. So it looks like he's just kind of winging a punch, but in reality, he's defending himself while winging that punch. And that's something I think that could surprise him, because I'll be honest with you, Ben. I think Jesse Vargas versus Kelbrook, if this is made, where Jesse Vargas is right now. Jesse Vargas is a better fighter right now than Sean Porter was when he lost to Kelbrook. Uh, I'll tell you what, I think when this fight is made, you're probably going to see Brooke be almost a three-to-one favorite or very close to it. I'm going to tell you right now, my money's going on Jesse Vargas to win this fight. Heck of a uh, fight if they can consummate it. It's a fight that needs to happen, a unification in the welterweight division, a division that guys have just been so protected. They hide behind their shields. They they just fight you know, big names from the past. I mean, these guys all think they're, they're, it's, a, it's a division full of prima donnas. Well, Brooke needed this fight, man. Did he not need, an, I mean, is it a name? No, but it's another champion. He was wearing very thin with a lot of people in the U.K. Let's hope it happens. Yeah. Let's hope it happens. Uh, but that'll do it for news and notes. Uh, we'll be back next week with a post-fight. There's a couple things going on, and then the week after that, we will return to preview Deontay Wilder versus Alexander Povetkin. Can't wait for that one. A lot of action from around the world that day on May 21st. So we leave you with that, and we will be back to bring you the reaction. It's going to be quite a night in Las Vegas for Canelo Khan. I think everybody is going to be uh, tuned in with uh, a ton of boxing opinions for this one, man. Oh, yeah. I'm expecting some fireworks from Vegas in the ring and some some fireworks on Twitter. It should be an interesting night, man. Yeah, it'll be a good one for sure from Las Vegas, the T-Mobile Arena. So that'll do it for episode 114 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast. Join us as the pay-per-view goes live for the next edition of the Boxing Rant Live as Vince Cummings and I bring you the fight companion. We deliver a fight discussion during all of the action from the HBO pay-per-view. So look for the links on theboxingrant.com and Spreaker. But you've been listening to the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. For my co-host Vince Cummings, who you can follow on Twitter at VinceCummings81. I'm Kenny Keith. Follow me on Twitter at Kenny Keith Jr. We'll be back next week for episode 115. Then after that, we bring you 116, a preview of Deontay Wilder versus Alexander Povetkin. We are in the prime of the spring boxing schedule with many big fights on the horizon. Look for the schedule of the Boxing Rant live on theboxingrant.com and subscribe to the show today on iTunes, Google Play, and the Boxing Rant YouTube channel. Thanks for tuning in to episode 114 of the Tale of the Tape Boxing Podcast here on theboxingrant.com. Muchas gracias, everybody.